Hey, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast and RJ Bell's Dream Preview for U.S. Open Week at one of the USGA's founding clubs, the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. My name is Will Doctor, alongside James Ledbetter. Welcome aboard as we give you the latest as far as professional golf handicapping is concerned for the 122nd U.S. Open. Led? Yeah, Doc, I'm excited for U.S. Open Week, obviously, and I was just thinking about it. We have a very good... Uh, year of just major golf courses you know what i mean we got st andrews we had southern hills we got brookline this week um obviously augusta's a pretty good course if you're into that kind of thing as well uh, but um yeah i'm you know really looking forward to uh the golf course i've you know i've watched some youtube videos you have as well in terms of how it's gonna play you know obviously they you know what's the last time they went to this golf course was it 88 was it yeah, 88 for the U.S. Open and 99 for the Ryder Cup when Justin Leonard uh, sunk that putt on 17 and the team stormed the green. Yeah, so, not, you know, not too much course history to look at. But, you know, from the standpoint of USJ does do a pretty consistent job of just setting up the golf courses, whether you're playing Torrey Pines or whether you're playing Wingfoot or, you know, Brookline this week. We're going to have deep rough, right? We saw the rough videos early in the week where you drop a ball and it disappears. We're going to have, you know, the greens firming up, especially on the weekend. Um, and, you know, more often than not, USJ is just trying to put emphasis on, obviously, hitting fairways, hitting greens, and uh, putting well, which uh, normally does the job pretty much any week. But, you know, if you have a five out of ten ball striking week, it's probably going to be, a you know, you're probably going to be out of there on Fridays, you know, super important to look at some of the ball strikers this week. You're just not going to be able to make, uh, you know, enough birdies, let alone pars, if you're if you're missing fairways. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a little tough to get a feel of the importance of, of hitting fairways here because I've heard some say that. Well, this this is fact. I mean, it goes fairway, and then there's a first cut, and then 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 there's obviously the high fescue. That's nearly mm -hmm. impossible to get out of. I've heard um, some folks who are on property say that uh, the first cut is big enough. Uh, well, there's there's enough space for a first cut uh, that allows players to at least get the ball somewhere close to the green. But then, like you said, you know, the greens here, a ton of undulation. They're old school. Uh, if the country club was in the PGA the normal PGA circuit, it'd be they'd have the six small screens on tour. I think they're a fraction smaller than uh, the one at Pebble Beach, the greens at Pebble Beach. Uh, but it's funny, I, you know, I think the way that this week is going to play out is uh, ultimately with, you know, I, I think the optimal case would have, you know, Rory Rom down the stretch. Uh, battling it out, or at least one of these top 12, a couple of these top 12 guys uh, dueling down this, down the stretch. I think, um, you know, with Rory winning last week, uh, all the banter with the live tour going on. Uh, yeah. That's what I was about to, that's what I was about to say. I'm hoping for a playoff between like a live guy and a PJ tour guy would just be all time. Would be yeah. all time for ratings and, uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. Whether it's DJ or, you know, I've even heard the the case for Phil this week. You know, if if the wind gets up and it turns into a chipping contest, you know, uh, Phil is really the one of the only ones in this field with any experience on this golf course. Led, I mean, he could possibly be a factor, but no. But I think the most important thing that would spark the most um, excitement, not only with the fans in Boston, but with just you know the you know entire Twitter golf world and everything, would, would to see be to see a duel between, you know, a, a Dustin Johnson and a, a Roy or a Dustin JT. versus JT, something down the stretch to, uh, to really ignite the Boston crowd. I think, I think that would be really exciting. Certainly for sure. So, you know, getting into the golf course country club at Brookline, uh, Doc, let's get the Fitzpatrick storyline over with. Yes, he did, oh uh, he did win the U.S. Amateur here. I'm sure, you know, we're going to watch, they're, they're probably going to be doing a, uh, you know, a little cut to that. I feel like every three hours, like, <laughs> you know, they, showing that picture picture of Matthew Fitzpatrick where he looks like he's 12, even though he, what was he, 17 or something. But, I mean, obviously he's coming in here with good vibes for sure. But, I mean, it was a long time ago. So I just don't want to overreact to, you know, something like that. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they the Golf Channel spent a lot of time on Fitzpatrick yesterday. I, I'm kind of in the boat uh, where I, I think he has a good week. Uh, one, I, I do certainly understand your case that the 2013 USAM is being brought up way too much this week. It, it's like saying that we can look at the US Open here in 88 and make any kind of pull anything away from that for this week. It's It's irrelevant. But I do think Fitzpatrick has been playing well. Um, yeah, especially so that's gets, the thing I'll, I'll yeah. give you. It's it's not like it's just he's games in bad shape and oh he's going to win here because he uh, won the USAM. Obviously, he's playing well as well. So um, I certainly understand it from that point. But yeah, the golf course is seven thousand two hundred sixty four yard par seventy, which was designed by the Campbell brothers in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Recently restored by Gil Hans. I watched a you know YouTube video. With people call him Gil, I guess Gil. Uh, it's a weird name, I guess. Gil's, uh, but, uh, Gil's turning into the Pat Riley of architects. Yeah, certainly. But he was talking about how you know what they did at Brookline restoring it was one of the. It was honestly the first kind of restoration of a golf course. Like normally everything was kind of referred to as like redesign, but he, you know, his main goal was to try to get the golf course back to the way it originally was. And I just think it's super cool that a course built, you know, over a hundred years ago um, has stood the test of time, you know, obviously with the modern equipment, the fact that you're going to be, you know, probably was 5,800 yards back then, but at least from like a green complex standpoint, the routing, the holes, the fact that they're uh, you know, it still does the job is pretty cool. And, you know, same thing uh, for the next major in terms of the British open, the St. Andrews. I mean, what is that? That's, that's 1800s type stuff. And same thing. It's, you know, stood the test of time. So I just think that's a, you know, really cool thing coming here, but you know, I watched the uh, no laying up hole by hole where they're going through all the, the course. And the, you know, the thing I noticed is the greens look like really small, like almost like this is like the cradle at Pinehurst part three course small yeah. in terms of if you do hit the green, I don't think you're going to be really struggling to, you know, to putt that often. It seems like if you're on the green, you're never really going to have more than a 25, 30 footer just because of the size of the green. So, you know, guys that have struggled with lag putting um, potentially, I think that's one thing uh, that they're not going to be, you know, too worried about. This isn't like St. Andrews where you got double greens. You're going to have a, you know, 115 foot putt up and down a ridge kind of thing. If you do hit the green, I'm, it's pretty much for the most part, I feel like in a guaranteed par unless the greens got, you know, Mickey mouse crazy fast and got windy um, for the most part, I think they're going to be able to, uh, you know, tr- be looking to make putts rather than just lag. Um, some other things I saw is the rough, obviously doc, you talked about for shots that are just offline, they're going to be catching that, you know, first cut, which won't be the end of the world, but, um, with the greens being so small, I think it's definitely going to be important to be playing from the fairway just so you can put spin on the ball. Um, you know, anytime, obviously you're getting grass between the club face and the golf ball, it's just going to be harder control. It's going to be more of a guess. Um, if you Especially, are, yeah, go ahead. If you are, you know, hitting 11, 12, 13 fairways around, I mean, that's just, I don't think you can do a Cam Smith hit five fairways, shoot four under kind of thing out here. I think it's going to be too tough. Yeah, especially if the temperature gets up uh, a little bit relative to up north in Boston. You know, it's the course is already looking kind of shiny, like traditional U.S. Open. If things get a little baked out, I mean, you know, that that first cut's defi- definitely going to be uh, detrimental to a round. Yeah, and I saw some videos of the ninth fairway, which is that, like, crazy slope fairway. It's like, geez, that thing's running at, like, an 11. Imagine what the greens yeah. are running at. Uh, in terms of if people didn't see that video, you drop a ball in the middle of the fairway and it takes a slope and like goes like 40 yards down into the water. So, um, yes, there's a couple quirky things about the golf course, but doc, I honestly don't think, you know, it's that course fit, you know, I don't really look too much into that just because of the fact that first of all, we don't, I mean, they they don't play, they don't play anything like this all year. Yeah, exactly. So it's more going to be, you know, what guys have done well in U.S. Opens, because for the most part, right, you have USGA setting up this golf course or these different golf courses every year. They're, they're looking for the same thing, whether it's Chambers Bay or Wingfoot or, you know, that one's obviously a bit of an outlier, Chambers Bay. But um, 
they're, you know, they want that score. They want par to be a good score. That's one of the things they always say. Um, I have a quote here from Jeff Hall, who is the USGA's managing director of rules and open championships. You know, the, and he's saying the thought is to put some level of premium on driving the golf ball on the fairway, controlling your golf ball up and around the green. So obviously, you know, that's pretty much a little cliche, but um, the one thing is they, you know, they want par to be a good score. They don't want, you know, 63s out here. Like they, um, you know, we've had in some years past, that's normally, you know, when we've had that, it's almost like a little bit of a letdown doc. It is what my favorite, this is my favorite major of the year. Like I don't, I like this more than the masters. I just like watching pros struggle. It's fun to, you know, watch a, a guy make triple bogey. That's why a lot of us kind of tune in for the, uh, for the carnage of it. Um, yeah. Watching, but, you know, watching, uh, I think a good example, like Brooks at Aaron Hills or, or Shinnecock. I forgot. I, I might be, I might be thinking of one of Bryson's, but yeah, when, you know, Bryson comes into that conversation as well. It wasn't fun watching him bomb and gouge, you know, be yeah. watching bomb and gouge just be good enough to, to win a U.S. Open. I, I think they've eliminated that this year, uh, just especially with the venue. I mean, if you if you hit it in the fescue, you I from what I've seen, you have to hit outside ways pretty much out of the fescue. Yeah. Um, yeah the think- bomb and gouge is out of the question. And I think that has really made some of the past U S opens pretty boring. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't think you're going to be able to, um, you know, whether, you know, Tory get a little, get away with it a little bit. Um, but wing foot. Yeah, for sure. When you missed in the rough, it seemed like Bryson was just able to kind of go up there and, you know, whack it and, you know, even run it up. It seems like most of the, the shots here, you're going to have to be, you know, flying onto the green and getting into stop. So I don't think you're going to be able to run shots in. Um, like we watch, uh, you know, the one thing I remember out wing foot is Patrick Reed was right in there, uh, kind of heading into the weekend. And he was hitting like six fairways around and like eight greens. Um, if you're missing greens out here, I don't care how good your short game is. It's eventually you're going to start to make some bogeys. Uh, that's the one thing I noticed about the, uh, the couple of the YouTube videos I watch is like when you're short-sighted, it's like auto bogey, like auto bogey. And you know, you're lucky to not make double. It's honestly just like, okay, take your bogey and get out of there. If you do miss on the wrong side, because that ball just does not stop rolling. I noticed with how fast the greens are, how undulating they are. If you do miss short side, um, you're really going to struggle, especially when you're coming out of the rough or bunker where you're even Southern Hills, it seemed like for the most part, even if they missed short side, they were kind of able to get some spin on it uh, on some of those chip shots and stuff versus here. It's just like gravity is going to make that ball end up not, not close to the hole. So one other thing I had is I think it's important to look at distance, maybe a little bit with, you know, having these smaller greens, if you're hitting a pitching wedge versus another guy hitting a seven iron, it obviously just gives you a little uh, more room for error. And then will from a weather spent, from a weather standpoint, I saw, you know, pretty much 15, 20 mile an hour winds each day. Yeah. Is that kind of something? Is that what you saw? Yeah, absolutely. And that goes back to my point about the possibility of this course getting, you know, kind of golden, kind of baked out. Um, you know, if the wind gets up and, and, and you know, it remains kind of humid, the uh, there is some heat up there. Um, I, I think it makes it a more challenging championship. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing before we kind of get into those favorites, this week kind of reminds me, you know, there's not a lot of course comps or whatever, but it kind of reminds me a bit of a weird one, but Bay Hill, just in the sense that, you know, whether it's a JT, whether it's a ROM or a Rory, you know, if they have like an unbelievable week with the driver, everything else can be pretty mediocre and they're going to be kind of right in there. So, um, you know, you look at Bay Hill where, you know, guys like Bryce and Tiger's done so well in the past, you know, even a guy like a Hovland or whatever, where it's like, man, if you're hitting fairways out there and you have a like hundred yards in where other people are missing fairways and having, you know, 155 in, it's just such an advantage. So if Rory, if a JT or John Rom, if they get on a roll with the driver, you know what I mean? Where they're picking up the tee, you know, <laughs> before yeah, Apex yeah. kind of thing, it seems like, man, they could really just kind of run away with this thing. Uh, just given the fact that, yes, it's a U.S. Open, it's extremely difficult, but 
you're not going to make that many bogeys from 100 yards out middle of the fairway. <laughs> and, and that's why we'll get into this, but that's why I'm scared. The the my final score prediction is hovering somewhere between five and eight under right now. But I'm scared mm-hmm. for the situation that you just kind of referred to. I think that happens to someone this week. Uh, mm-hmm. But I yeah. also think the wind could eliminate that a little bit as well. I'm I'm looking for uh, kind of a Royal Troon esque week in Boston. You know, I I feel that sixteen of these greens are kind of reminiscent to the postage sample number eight at Troon. I mm-hmm. I, so I want to see mayhem, but I do think there is a situation where someone does run away with it with just absolutely pure ball striking. Yeah, and yeah, that's the thing I'm. I would literally, oh my God, I, I, I pray for like two over winning. That's like yeah, my favorite. Yeah, like I yeah. love that. I love that. Nowadays with the, how strong these guys are, modern equipment, you know, they, they can't even see the ball and they could advance that thing. I just feel like, they, you know, you even think about it, go back to US Opens, let's say 10, 12 years ago, right? Let's say the average swing speed miles per hour is it's probably like, I don't know, seven miles an hour more. I just feel like, um, you know, the average guy was like Kevin Kisner like 10 years ago in terms of their speed. Now, all of a sudden, be, you know, like and I don't care if he can't see the ball. He can advance that thing, you know, 120, 130 yards. Um, I feel like one of these books, DraftKings or something, should do over under uh, withdrawals. I feel like that would be a fun kind of bet because it's definitely like, you know, two and a half, three guys. Someone's going to hurt a wrist or something <laughs> it yeah. seems like it happens every year it, it's definitely packet in material brookline is but um no uh, to your point uh if you look back at i mean this is way far back but if you look down back back to 1988 when this when this championship was last hosted here uh the the fairways hit percentage was well over 65 percent um mm. and, and now it's well under that yeah. Uh, so it, you know, it'll be interesting to see at the end of the week, uh, what the, if, uh, fairways hit is, uh, as big of a necessity as we thought it was today, but, uh, let's get rolling on these favorites, get into some of these picks, lad. Let's do it. Starting off with Rory McIlroy at 11 to one. Um, he, there, he is playing golf this week. He's not just doing press conferences. Uh, Rory is the best driver of the golf ball in the field. In his last 50 rounds, uh, with the course being so tee shot dependent, you know, like we talked about, if he has a great week to driver, he's going to be hard to beat. Uh, the way he's been driving it, you'd expect that to happen. Obviously, he's coming off a win at the RBC last week where he picked up 14 strokes tee to green and up six strokes with the putter. Um, the one thing that's concerning, Doc, is we talked about this is a guy who hasn't won a major since 2014. Seems like he does have a bit of a mental block with these majors. Um, honestly, I find it, I just, uh, you know, a lot of these favorites, I'm going to say a pretty similar thing. I don't really want to take a guy kind of at 11 to one uh, when, you know, you could be pretty much one hole away from uh, taking yourself out of it. You know, I'm looking for guys definitely uh, for in twenties and thirties. Yeah. I, I, I really do like Rory this week, but the fact is I, uh, you know, we could have got a better number, you know, a couple of weeks ago uh, before the season started. It's just, it's too late on that. I feel like he's probably near, you know, reaching a peak here to some extent. He's playing very well this year, um, but you're exactly right. And the, the other thing that I worry about with Rory is something you briefly mentioned at the beginning um, of your discussion on him was, you know, the amount of press he's doing this week. It's very reminiscent to the years following his last major when he was rolling into Augusta and he'd have the big Nike golf promos. And, you know, he's really the face of the tour right now. And it it can be a distraction. Colin Morikawa said it very well yesterday that even if you're kind of out on the live tour, it's still like this, you know, crazy distraction inside ropes. And Rory talked about it. They're like, um, you know, I don't remember exactly how the question was worded, but it was like, do you mind, you know, being the, uh, you know, spokesperson of the tour, right? And he's honestly like, I don't want to be doing this, but I feel like I have to. That was pretty much the general you know, summary of his response. So, you know, I just think that's another thing. Obviously, they talk about U.S. Open, toughest test of golf mental fatigue 
uh, you know, I don't think that's going to wear too much on him, but, uh, you know, there's a golf tournament going on plus this live thing. It's a lot to kind of be balancing and handling. Um, so I don't love him at 11 to one that's based more on his, uh, you know, major struggles. Um, but it seems like the way he's striking the golf ball, uh, you know, I don't really see him finishing outside the top 10. So if you want to play him in a pick to place or you like him in that, and you know, in a, uh, a matchup that's uh priced well, you know, absolutely go for it. But in terms of him winning at 11 to one, I mean, at us open, you're always one hole away for, you know, a double yeah. or a triple. So on at that shorter odds, I'm passing, uh, on Rory winning. And on to uh, Justin Thomas at 12 to one. So JT finished third at the RBC last week, put himself in contention with, uh, Finau and the eventual winner and Rory and which was a huge booster for the PGA tour on Sunday, uh, you know, for the, for the tour to have their stars in the mix, uh, with the live tour up and running and JT and Finau, um, you know, in the mix with Rory played a, a key role to a stellar Sunday in Canada. Um, and, and I like JT as far as this week is concerned. I think he has, uh, the type of creativity and pre- precision that could win at Brookline and, um, yeah, I think my confidence in JT comes in the putting improvements over the last four or five events. At the beginning of the year, um, he was losing, you know, tournaments down the stretch. We saw it at Valspar uh, because he couldn't put the ball in the hole in the greens. And I think we've seen that turn around, obviously, starting at the PGA. Um, yeah, there's a better winning number. Well, no, no, no. The, the FanDuel number is the same. It's it's 12 to 1. Uh, but for me, it's... It's either JT at plus 135 to top 10 or pass on my card to win your second major of the season at, at 12 to one. I have to be out on that. It could have got better odds a while ago. Yeah. He probably would have been what 20 to one, even, you know, a couple months ago here Yeah, so, before the PGA for sure. Yeah. So, you know, he has finished top five and three of his last four starts doc. Like you said, I'd be pretty surprised, honestly, if he didn't finish in the top 10. So yeah. I don't hate to pick the place on him, but same thing for me, pretty short odds on, uh, you know, not that us opens a fluky week, but, uh, you know, you kind of have a bad three stretch of holes and you're out of it. So taking a guy at such short odds, I, I don't exactly. Will. Um, our next guy, John Rom at 12, one, the defending us open champion lost strokes off the tee at the Memorial. The, that was the first time he lost strokes off the tee since 2019. So I think that was a bit of a fluke week. Um, you know, I think he gets back on track with a good driving week this week. Uh, you know, it really comes down to the putter, which he has gained strokes with in two of his last three Doc, We talked about this, you know, coming to the masters, he was putting so poorly. Um, he seems to have figured it out for the most part. Uh, I think the emphasis that this course puts on hitting fairways and greens makes Rom tough to pass on. But again, it's that, it's that short number at 12 to one, um, you know, I am looking for guys uh, with longer odds, uh, plain and simple. Yeah, and he's another guy, kind of like JT, who has who's turned the putting around over his last twelve rounds, and uh, you know, largely thanks to an outstanding putter performance at the Memorial, which I felt like was a huge week for him in preparation for this week. Um, it, it's interesting. I'm I was kind of looking. Usually, Bet Online has this matchup where it's like it would be rory jt and and rom over the field um i really do think one of these three guys comes away with it this week but um like like you just said you know i i think probably some at some time before the mexican open um and you know um sometime before the season started we could have got a much better price on rom um for the u.s open even though he is the defending champion, but um, I, I'm out on this number 12 to one for Rom. I, but like I said, as we move away from these top three favorites, uh, you know, just based on where the PGA tour is and what, what needs to happen this week, I, I, I think at least one of those three guys is in the mix then this week. Yeah, I agree but with that. On to uh, Scheffler at, at 14 to one, at another guy, you know, I, as y'all know, it's been the year of Scotty as his ball striking has not regressed a bit um, as he followed his master's win with three top 20 finishes in the last four starts. And I think one thing to keep an eye on with Scotty this week that, you know, makes him a little less attractive than those first three favorites is he has not particularly putted well. 
um, over his last 12 rounds, ranks 83rd on tour over that span on the greens. Didn't putt well at the PGA where he missed the cut and didn't putt well in Canada last week besides, um, despite still putting together an 18th place finish. So uh, remember Bent and Poa are, are two surfaces that he puts below average on and the greens at Brookline this week are uh, a mix of both. I won't be reaching on any Scheffler tickets this week since I luckily do have a futures U.S. Open ticket on him from back in December. Uh, but he may come along as we get to matchups. I certainly don't like him up against Rory, uh, which I'm seeing over on Bet Online. Okay, and moving into our next guy is Xander Shoffley at 14 to 1. Xander is extremely solid across the board. He's gaining strokes in every single category in his last five events heading into this week. Doc, here's his U.S. Open track record. He's played this event five times and has not finished worse than seven. Um, now, obviously, these are uh, different golf courses, but the like we talked about, the USGA sets up these golf courses pretty consistently over the years in terms of, you know, deep rough, green firmness, you know, even speed of the greens. Um, the issue with that kind of track record at the U.S. Open is the books pretty much have all this stuff kind of cooked into his number, and that's why that number is so short. Uh, in terms of what I'm seeing from Xander this week, I don't mind him in a pick to place. Um, the main thing I like, honestly, is potentially having him anchor a draft teams lineup just because of his consistency, you know, on five different golf courses so far in his, uh, you know, career in U.S. Opens. That's pretty much all I have Xander this week is, you know, potentially playing him in a draft teams uh, scenario. Yeah, I'm off. Uh, I'm off Xander uh, this week, just based off the number. I mean, the number, the his stats are are great, but the results certainly don't back that up. Um, as far as winning, so on to Patrick Canlay at twenty to one, and and Canlay is interesting this week because um, you know he has not played up to expectation in major championships during his incredible run of four wins over the last calendar year, although he did finish T15 at the U.S. Open last year at Pebble. Uh, but through the skeptical play in majors, Cantlay, um, like Xander Shoffley, has put up really solid numbers. You know, the putting woes from, from 21 are in the rearview mirror, which is good to see. And uh, like I said, Brookline Thinkers Golf Course, I think that works to, fa- to Cantlay's favor. I don't see him winning this week, but I think – uh, picking up his first top 10 in a major since 2019 uh, could definitely be in the cards for Cantley this week. Yeah, this is a guy who hasn't had a top 10 in a U.S. Open, surprisingly, given you know how good a player he's been over the years. Uh, the one thing that kind of jumps out at me that I'm a little concerned with is he's lost strokes with his approach shots in five of his last eight events. If he has a you know another off week with the irons, it's probably uh, no not going to go yeah. his way. You know, 22 to one, not a terrible number for a guy of his caliber, but uh, I'm looking for guys that are, uh, you know, the irons a little closer for sure. Yeah. And moving uh, into our matchups, uh, let I'll start here with uh, Jordan Spieth over Cam Smith at plus 106 on bet online and Spieth in my eyes is a good safe pick this week because he has the, you know, the, the creativity, the shot making ability to manage Brookline, even if he doesn't have his, um, his a game in one or two of the rounds. And uh, you know, n- not to say he hasn't been on his a game. He has, you know, top 20 finishes and uh, four of his last five events, including um, that win at the RBC, but uh, everyone knows he's got the insanely good short game to fall back on in case he finds himself in the deathly fescue rough around Brookline. And uh, the numbers have shown that as of late sixth on tour in his last three events since strokes gained around the greens. And uh, the putting has been extremely solid on Ben and Poa. When you look on the other side of this matchup and Cam Smith, definitely a favorite amongst the talking heads this week. He has lost strokes on the greens uh, in three of his last four events and has shown definite signs of struggle uh, with the driver um, at the uh, Memorial and the RBC Canadian Open. Uh, so I think Spieth definitely has the edge this week in this matchup. It's going to be Jordan Spieth uh, over Cam Smith at plus 106 on Bet Online. Okay, and for my first matchup, I'm going to be taking Colin Morikawa over Matthew Fitzpatrick plus 105. 
be found on DraftKings. Um, Colin hasn't had a top 10 since the Masters, but I think he gets on track this week. Um, the ball striking is there, picking up strokes off the tee and approach like he always has. Uh, the short game has been brutal, though, losing an average of four strokes on around the greens in his last five events. Um, as much as Colin has struggled, uh, his track record in majors has been amazing, so I wouldn't be shocked at all if he contended this week. You only have to go back to the British Open last year where he had struggled with a little bit of form at the Scottish Open and then turned it around the next week and uh, won the Open Championship. Uh, he finished fourth place in last year's U.S. Open, kind of a sneaky uh, top five there. He was right in there before Rom went crazy on the last couple of greens, draining you know a couple of those uh, bombs on uh, 17 18. But yeah, to me, I feel like the Fitzpatrick USAM storyline is a little bit overblown. Yes, we talked about this earlier. Uh, yes, he is playing great, but you know, gun to my head, I'm taking Colin Morikawa over Fitzpatrick, no matter the state of their games. We will probably never see this price again between these two, where Colin Morikawa is plus 105 against Matthew Fitzpatrick. So let's take advantage of it for my first matchup. Yeah, when when Morikawa puts on a you know a ball striking clinic, Fitzpatrick certainly doesn't stand a chance against him. But I'm gonna have to disagree as far as this week is concerned. I think. Uh, I think Fitzpatrick has some good juice going into this event, certainly as far as uh, recent play is concerned. But, um, you know, Morikawa, we saw it that, um, you know, as far as where, what, you know, what are his weaknesses? Usually it's with the putter. Uh, usually it's on the greens. I think Morikawa being that this is kind of a the POA bent mix, a, a, a surface he's more familiar with definitely works in his uh, advantage. So my next one is going to be, my next matchup is going to be the best bet that I gave out um, for the big dream preview. And that's Davis Riley um, over Taylor Gooch at plus 100 on bet online. And what I like about Davis Riley is over this eight tournament stretch where he's amassed six top 20 finishes. Uh, he's proven himself at some of the more challenging stops uh, on the PGA tour 13th at Southern Hills for the PGA, you know, finishes fourth day colonial, one of the toughest courses on tour, 13th at Jack's place. Uh, another y- great young plotter on the PGA tour led is almost like, you know, Davis Riley is almost like an American Robert McIntyre in a sense that they both play incredibly consistent at big stages in relation to the lack of, lack of experience they've had. If that makes sense, you know, Riley only 25 years old playing in his fourth major, but he's definitely proven, you know, over this run this year that, you know, he's, his game is prepared for the toughest courses. So then real quick, I mean, on the other side of this matchup is Taylor Gucci who has not hit the ball well off the tee this year. It's going to be a big factor at Brookline. Um, you know, this golf course is not playing as short as it was in 1913 for we met or 99 for the Ryder cup. It's lengthened. You know, I said at the beginning of this pod, JT, said yesterday you're gonna to have to hit driver or three wood on every hole besides 17 so if you miss fairways like gooch has been prone to do this year it's gonna be a really tough week at brookline plus um you know long fly back from london last week uh for gooch led so i was uh, i was waiting for that yeah this is, well, our, this is our first uh live fade isn't it uh yeah it is well i'm right? not i'm not fading the entire live roster but i okay. i certainly in this situation, it's Riley over Gooch at plus one hundred on Bet Online. But no, I, I have when we get to our degenerate plays, I'm I'm uh, I'm focusing in on, on a few of the roster guys from Liv. Yeah, and I've seen uh, Taylor Gooch has been going to Zuma in Boston, which I think is like a sushi place or something. Uh, he's posted Instagram stories from there the last two nights, and he's been holding alcoholic beverages. I don't know what to think of that. Um, well, he, de- he doesn't need to play well anymore, you know, in, yeah, that's in what, majors you know, maybe or, check, yeah. maybe the, uh, the, um, you know, the paycheck hit the account yeah. from Saudis and he's just, uh, you know, it's all gravy now, but, uh, yeah, dog, I don't mind that one for that matchup. My, for my, uh, other matchup, I'm going to be taking Tommy Fleetwood over Justin Rose minus one twenty. Uh, sports books are baiting squares into playing the former U.S. Open champ Justin Rose fresh off a of 60 at the RBC in a matchup against Tommy Fleetwood, who has been much more consistent player 
over the last couple weeks and months. Um, besides last week, Justin Rose has missed cuts in four of his last five uh, starts and has been leaning on the putter a ton. Um, meanwhile, Tommy has made eight cuts in a row, five of those being top 20s. I want the more consistent player in a matchup. And Tommy has had, you know, two top fives in U.S. Opens as well. So it's not like he has struggled at this event. I think a lot of people are like, oh, Justin Rose won a U.S. Open and kind of, you know, getting lazy with it. Totally. Totally. Seeing, seeing that plus that plus money number. Oh, we just shot 60 at RBC rounding into form. Uh, you know, that's a bit of a mousetrap for people who aren't really tuned into the fact that he has missed four of his last five cuts. And uh, yes, Justin Rose did win a U.S. Open, but uh, last time he teed up in the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, uh, he shot 78-77 and was able to uh, do some stuff on the weekend uh, in San Diego. <laughs> I feel like the, this this idea that he's going to contend here because, uh, I mean, there, there's certain characteristics that, that Marion, you know, has to Brookline in the sense that I guess the fescue is the only thing. The greens are certainly different. Uh, the distance is certainly different. Um, Marion, a way shorter golf course. Um, so I, I don't see that resemblance. And then, like you said, you know, the, his stats at RBC last week completely inflated him going into this week. I mean, I, I've been tracking Justin Rose through this stretch of missed cuts and everything. And, you know, his numbers, his stats jumped um, after nearly shooting 57, you know, on Sunday. Uh, so I think that's a great fade there, uh, uh, Led. I, I really like Fleetwood in that matchup. Yeah, and I just, you know, I talked about it earlier, but I just feel like books kind of throw that out there. Like, oh, people who aren't super tuned in are going to, what's like fresh in their mind? 60 at the RBC, where, yeah, like you said, could have shot in the 50s. US Open champ definitely, you know, populates in people's not minds, and they see that plus 100 number. Everybody jumps on that and just gets killed. Like, there's a reason these that sports books stay open. So, I'm going direct opposite of that. Um, the fact that I'm getting a guy who's made, you know, five top 20s in his last eight starts at minus 120 versus the guy who's missed four out of his last six starts, like remove the names, and, you know, taking that bet every day of the week, let alone the fact that, uh, you know, people see the Justin Rose and start salivating a little bit. I'm, uh, I'm not doing that this week. Let any other matchups or? Uh, nope, just those two for me. Perfect, perfect. Okay, so moving on to depicts to place. Uh, my first one's going to be Joaquin Neiman, top 20, plus 160 on bet 365. And Joko is an all-around solid option this week. Since that week, you know, at Genesis, uh, which was on those Poet Greens at Riviera, he has continued his consistent play. Uh, 12th place finish at the Heritage, 23rd at the PGA, and 3rd at the Memorial. Um, once again, has the uh, shot-making ability to manage his game around the old-fashioned dog legs around Brookline. He's third in strokes gained off the tee you know, over his last 12 rounds and ranks um, inside the top 20 and putting over that span as well. So uh, Joaquin Neiman top 20 at plus 160 on, on bet three, six, bet three, six, five is booked and is definitely a contender this week. In my opinion, strokes gained hunger, got to be off the charts. wanting to be the first uh, Chilean to win a major, right? Doc? Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, after what happened to PGA with Mito, you know, I, I think there's some some strokes gained fire in the belly brewing. For sure. I, I, sure. As well as a hint of strokes gained chip on shoulder. Yeah. And <laughs> Joaquin, it's like, you know, he knows Mito might, you know, snag one of these next, uh, you know, eight, 12 meters over the next couple of years here. So I can't be goofing around in these events if he wants to be the first, like the second Chilean to win a US Open doesn't sound too exciting. Uh, you know, certainly going to be dialed in this week. And and we've definitely, you know, I've used the word, uh, you know, shot makers today, but I saw Joaquin, I mean, just speaking to how good he is around the greens, I saw him hit some shots around uh, Southern Hills for the PGA that were, were super impressive. I just feel like he's one of those crafty players where if things kind of go south, even with the weather or uh, the wind, I feel like he's still a safe bet this week. For sure, for sure. My first pick to place is going to be Tony Finau, top 10, plus 330 on DraftKings. Tony is one of the few guys in the field who is top 20 off the tee and approach. Uh, 
He's coming off back-to-back top five finishes at the Charles Schwab and RBC, where he gained over nine strokes on the greens. You know, he's one of the hottest golfers on the planet. I think plus 330 for a top 10 is a great number for him. Doc, this is a guy for when, you know, you look back the last couple of years, you know, his calling card was just being a top 10 machine. And it seems like he's kind of back on that role again. Uh, when they interviewed him last week, he talked about how he kind of found something on the greens and he clearly has uh, gaining those nine strokes on the greens in his last two starts. Uh, you know, if he has a solid putting week, um, if he keeps that going, I think a top 10 is no problem for him. So I love that number at plus 330 for Tony Finau. Yeah, my next one, um, Matthew Fitzpatrick, top 10 plus 170 on drafting sports. But we've talked about him a lot today, not one of Led's favorites, guys. I certainly agree that the storyline of winning the 2013 USAM has been overused this week, but I'm going to roll with Fitzpatrick in his recent play, three top 10s in his last four starts. Uh, hasn't shown one weakness in any part of his game, not off the tee, not approach, not putting. Um and, you know, I think while we're on the subject, Led just took, you know, Fleetwood in a, in a, a head-to-head. Um, I, I like those two guys this week as far as Englishmen are concerned. I, I think with the winning score, hopefully around par, I think Brookline suits those two guys in a way. I, I, and um, for that re- the reason, I bring that up. I would stay away from the English leaderboard. I would stay w- for, away from the European leaderboard with – you know, Rory, Shane, Fleetwood, Matthew Fitzpatrick, I would look more in this realm of a ticket like Matthew Fitzpatrick top 10 and plus 170 uh, for your picks to place for sure. Okay. And my other pick to place is going to be Daniel Berger top 10 plus 400 and also his top 20 at plus 160. That's on bet MGM. Um, Daniel has finished top 25 and seven out of his last 10 events. He's coming off a great finish at Memorial where he picked up four strokes to the green and six strokes on the greens in route to that fifth place finish. Um, you know, both these picks, whether it's uh, Tony Finau or Daniel Berger, I'm taking great ball strikers whose putters are heating up just in time for the U.S. Open. Calling you right now, one of, if not both of these guys are contending. So I just think those are all great numbers. So recapping my picks of place, Tony Finau top 10 plus 330 on DraftKings. And Daniel Berger, top 10 plus 400 and top 20 plus 160. That can be found on Bet MGM. That's where the best numbers are for him. Yeah. And my last uh, pick to place, who I'm going to let Led discuss him um, a lot today. I'm actually trailing him based off you know the information Led has given me. It's going to be Hideki Matsuyama, top 20 plus 150 on DraftKings. Um, and recapping my picks to place, Joaquin Neiman, top 20 plus 160 on bet 365 Matthew Fitzpatrick top 10 plus 170 on DraftKings Sportsbook and Hideki Matsuyama top 20 plus 150 on DraftKings all right and getting into our outright winners my first one is gonna be Colin Morikawa 32 to 1 can be found on FanDuel Doc I'm gonna be completely honest this one is about the number uh when Morikawa gets in the 30s it's a must play you know we think of guys like a Finau or Kepka when they get to the 40s or the 50s, we feel like we have to bet on them no matter the state of the game. Um, this seems like that exact same scenario. He finished fifth at the Masters. Uh, yes, he has struggled on the greens and around the greens his, his last couple events, but I don't think he needs an ama- amazing putting week to contend. Um, you know, four top tens in his last five majors. The guy clearly gets up for these, you know, bigger events. You, know, you go back to last year at the British Open, he didn't, you know, he didn't have a great start at the Scottish Open going into that tournament, but um, was able to obviously turn it around pretty quickly. I think the smaller greens at Brookline kind of throws the three putts out the window. So if we get the ball striking week that we expect from Colin Markawa, I don't think he needs to have this, you know, blackout putting week for him to contend. This is a guy who's normally 12 to 1, 14 to 1 in these big events. And the fact that we're getting him at 32 to 1, I think we have to jump on. So my first pick to win, it's going to be Colin Morikawa, 32 to 1 on FanDuel. And my uh, first pick to win here is going to be Shane Lowry at 30 to 1 on DraftKings. And, you know, I understand I, from what I've heard, uh, you know, the, a lot of the, you know, most of the world is taking him uh, this week to win. 
I have to stay consistent with what I've done the last four weeks. And, and that's kind of waited on Shane Lowry um, to kind of finally break through here this season. I think, you know, after his 10th place finish at the RBC last week, I think he's definitely results wise, the best player on tour without a win this season um, ranks, you know, inside the top 20 uh, around the greens and total strokes gained over his last 12 events, putting so, so, uh, but I, I really think Shane is just trending in the right direction. So I'm going to go ahead and play him for my first pick to win it's at uh, 30 to one on DraftKings. And for my other pick to win, I'm going to be taking Daniel Berger 50 to one on bet MGM. You know, I discussed him already. I think 50 to one is a great number for him. You know, with these small greens, the sixth best iron player in the field has a huge advantage. He's coming off a great week at, um, you know, Jack's tournament where he finished fifth place and gained strokes on the greens, uh, and honestly, the one thing I like about Berger is besides the Honda Classic meltdown, uh, he's been a pretty good closer um, if he does get a get a lead at some point on the weekend. So uh, for my other pick to win, it's going to be Daniel Berger, 50 to 1 on Bet MDM. Led beginning of the season, I talked a ton about Led, about uh, Berger and, and how I liked him for the majors. The injuries have concerned me a little bit. I see an Instagram story that, you know, he's in an ice bath, not liking it. Um, you know, probably would rather be straight vibing in the jacuzzi. That's right out of the Tiger Handbook. Yeah, obviously not a not a great sign. Um, not a great sign. But honestly, I feel like a lot of these players now they ice bath injured. Yeah, or not. Uh, and they're all, they're all always hurt. I mean, they're always saying yeah. you know something's wrong. I mean, I, I don't think whether it's a, it's not like we're going to be seeing uh Lowry jumping in an ice bath or whatever right like no chance that's, that's one of the things right you can't pull fat so no they um, got they got the Irish pubs in Brookline up in Boston plenty of Guinness up there for Shane I, I think I think I think this is the comfort zone as far as American golf is concerned for Shane this week that'll keep him loose and limber I saw a lot uh, the golf bag I saw a tweet I forgot who sent the tweet but the tailor-made golf bag like has like the American Revolution like date or something and it's funny they were talking about how like, the tweet was like there's all these europeans like carrying that golf bag which is like the <laughs> you know like obviously um i don't know i just thought that was a funny tweet it was like the the date of the american revolution i'm not a big history major here but i just thought it's funny that you know whether it's a Fleetwood or like the british guys are carrying that bag around yeah it should when... be pretty uh tough history for them <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, uh, as as far as yeah, we we you know the the uh, the colonists you know took the land from from yeah, the yeah. British, and, and now they're taking now they're carrying um, you know the the kind of American Revolution bag. Yeah, that is funny. Um, yeah. Led my second pick to win. It's it's going to be Hideki Matsuyama, forty one to one on DraftKings. Uh, like I said, you're going to talk a lot about him in a second, uh, but I I feel you know he he's way underpriced just based off the fact that I don't know if a lot of people didn't pay attention to the reason he was DQ'd last week, but it obviously has zero relevance for this week being that it was just because he did arts and crafts on his three wood, yeah. um, just put a little paint on there and, and forgot to take it off. Um, but before that, uh, Hideki's had a great season, two wins led and he's 41 to one. I mean, you pointed yeah. that out to me. Um, I think, just based off value, you have to take Hideki this week. Playing superb, not a weakness in this game. Uh, so a, a safe option as a winning pick and lots of great value there. And uh, Led, I'll just kick us off uh, with our with our dark horse pick for the week. I have one dark horse and then uh, two degenerate plays after we give our DraftKings lineups. But I'll start us off here with the uh, with the with the dark horse. That's going to be Brooks Kepka top ten plus 450 on bet river. And, you know, I took the same play for the master's card at plus 190 and it, it lost brutally as, as Brooks missed the cut at Augusta, but this is really not a numbers play whatsoever. I'm taking this because Brooks is Brooks has only been beaten by four other players in the last four U S opens. And I, I mean, I took that straight from golf channel. No, no yeah. secrets there. I think deep yeah. down he, you know, he's, and you know, he's been fueling the fire in the media center. He's talked about how, you know, Brookline is a, is a huge challenge and he relishes these majors. So, you know, at plus 450, I, I have to take a swing at this for my dark horse. Doc, we talked about this last year at Torrey Pines when I, we did like Matthew Wolf 
dark horse right and it was like this guy's and it hit right and the thought process was when guys are struggling it's kind of nice to go out and play a golf course where a 72 is not a bad score you know brooks at augusta you know you might have to shoot nine under or seven under to maybe finish in the top 10 here three over could be potentially in the top 10 if the weather gets up I think that's a great look for a guy like Brooks Kepka, who's shown he can play obviously difficult golf courses. Like he's one of the best players in the world. And hasn't finished outside the top five in the U.S. Open in four years. Obviously, one back to back in 17 and 18, but 2021, he didn't, you know, have his best stuff last year whatsoever and finished fourth at Pebble. And I and I saw he just switched. He's not using the Strixon driver anymore. So he's not like I mean, that's just auto a shot around it. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I, um, I have a lot of respect for the irons that they make, but I mean, I don't see, you know, I, I saw Shane has their woods in the bag as well. And I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of like Snedeker using, it would have been like Snedeker using a Bridgestone driver in the 2010s. Instead, he always had that tailor-made burner. Or you know, Patrick, Patrick Reed, right? He's using yeah. a PXG driver. He takes it out of the bag and all of a sudden he's, uh, you know, a solid player again so you know we've seen that jump up i think it's the first week he's using i don't it was like a white i think it was a tailor-made driver i'm not 100 sure what it was but uh anything other, anything is, other yeah is an upgrade, is an upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. so yeah doc for my dark horse i'm gonna take aaron wise top 20 plus 300 uh on DraftKings. um aaron wise is going to have a mito Pereira pga week in boston um, both Mito and Aaron are incredible ball, ball strikers who are always a hot putter away from contending. Um, Doc, I think Aaron Wise coming off a runner-up finish at Memorial, being top 20 plus 300. Like, when's the last time a guy who finished second in his last start is plus 300 for a top 20? Um, I think that's a great look for him. Uh, you know, the start before that uh, runner-up finish at Memorial – was a 23rd place finish at the PGA. So clearly, you know, recently has played tough golf course as well. On um, the last two events, he's, he's gained almost 10 strokes on the greens. Um, he's gained strokes off the tee in nine of his last 10 starts and has gained strokes with the irons in four of his last five. Uh, the way this man hits the ball, if he has a decent putting week, just book a top 20. So for my dark horse, and this was almost a best bet, but I had something else in mind. Um, Aaron Wise, top 20 plus 300 on DraftKings, absolutely hammer that. Yeah, another guy, he had a great fall, had a, had a couple top 10 finishes, and then, um, you know, played well at the Mexican Open and played well last week. Starting to get in that conversation as a very solid player who has not won this year. I don't think, has Aaron Wise won on the PGA Tour? He has. He won the Dallas, I think he won at Trinity Forest. Did he? Yes. First year. It was there. I want to say he won at Trinity Forts. Great call there, Led. Great call there. 2018 Byron. Yeah. A one by three over Leishman. So a great pick there. Yeah. And a, kind of a player that I haven't really been able to trail too much. I've been kind of uncomfortable with his spots on some of the Bermuda um, stops in the Florida swing, but I like and, that play, Led. And honestly, we made a decent amount of money off him this year. And like I said, for someone who's hitting it as well as he is, he's picking up 10 strokes on the greens in his last two starts. So he's obviously putting well. I mean, the guy can shoot three over and finish top 20 at plus 300. I mean, that's just all day long I'm hitting that. On to our lineups uh, for the U.S. Open. Uh, let I'll start it off here. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, Shane Lowry, Joaquin Neiman, and uh, – two guys that are not even on the PGA tour, MJ Daffy and Sam Stevens to round out my two cabooses. Love it. Uh, but both playing extremely well on corn Ferry tour. I mean, both top 30 on that money list, probably both going to get their cards for next year. And, and you know how the U S open works led. You always have a couple of these guys kind of uh, come out of nowhere. I, Sam Stevens, as far as like a dark horse or degenerate play top 20, I think it's like 16 to one. Um, incredible odds. I mean, he can he can play anywhere in the world. I like that line lineup, pretty top heavy. Um, I am going with for my lineup. I had a solid week last week in DraftKings, trying to keep that roll. I made a couple hundred bucks last week on that. For my lineup, I am going to be taking Xander Shoffley, 
Victor Hovland, Hideki Matsuyama, Aaron Wise, Tommy Fleetwood, and the longest man in golf, supposedly, Brandon Matthews, who supposedly carries a three-wood 320. So if you can get that face squared up, we should be good to go. And, Doc, the one thing I mentioned, uh, you know, one guy in there that we hadn't talked too much about is Victor Hovland. Um, bag, it, bag it, Victor. Bag the, short it, game, Victor. the short game is a bit of a concern. <laughs> But you know, a the huge, way it's a huge concern. It's not like it's concern. not like Rom, where he's had these little, you know, just random bad chipping weeks. I mean, I think like Victor really gets over a wedge and starts shaking. Yes, but I will say, um, you know, we talked about this in terms of the one kind of course I brought up was kind of Bay Hill, where he's you know done well at just in the sense if if he has an unreal week in the with the driver. And, you know, if he has 120 yards in the green, if he's hitting potentially 14, 15, 16 greens around, um, I'm not really too concerned with the short game. It's kind of like a Colin Morikawa. If he has like an elite ball striking week, um, you know, we've seen guys, you know, not saying he's potentially, not saying he's going to win, not saying he's going to shoot nine under, but he's still that ball striker where, uh, you know, he can hit it well enough and still shoot potentially even par in the US Open, which, uh, would certainly power a DraftKings lineup. So not not taking him to win, but uh, I think he's a solid play in terms of making the cut because the guy pretty much shows up tee to green um, for the most part every week. Okay, and on to uh, my two degenerate bet plays this week, um, and they're both they're both uh, live defectors. Uh, first one's going to be Kevin Na top twenty plus three hundred on DraftKings and. You got to hear me out. If Kevin Knott can just put the ball in the fairway, he will make the cut and 100% contend this week. Over his last three events, he's second in approach accuracy, right behind Davis Riley. He's first in strokes gained around the greens. Um, you know, that's a huge factor to pay attention to in case the wind gets up. And I mean, Kevin Na is a guy who's actually put together some nice results here recently in some really tough fields. Top 20 at the Masters, 23rd at the PGA, and uh, T7 around Colonial. Um, so no reason why, you know, if he doesn't hit fairways, he's going to be in contention this week. So my first degenerate bet is going to be Kevin Na top 20 plus 300 on DraftKings, And, uh, the second one's going to light some fires. I'm going Phil Mickelson over Joel Dahman, um, at plus 170 on bet online. I was not planning on taking Phil at all this week. Um, but Joel Dahman is, is, um, playing shockingly terrible uh, ranks outside of 90th and stroke and strokes gain total, not putting well, you know, uh, chip chipping numbers have not been solid. Hasn't finished better than um, 32nd in his last four starts. And um, th- this is kind of one of those tickets. If the weather gets bad, if the wind gets up, really, when I say weather gets bad, the only way the weather is going to get choppy is if the wind gets up, it's supposed to be over 15 miles per hour every day, I think. Yeah. Um, and in that case, you know, Phil, you know, he has that, he was pretty much the only player in the field who played that Ryder cup in 99. He's probably the most experienced golfer at Brookline in this field. And at plus 170 over a, a player who has done relatively nothing in major championships it is something that I have to, I have to take and be a part of. So that's going to be Phil Mickelson over Joel Dahman at plus 170 on bet online. Doc, I'm going to be tailing you with that. I think whenever we can get plus 170 in a matchup, it's worth taking a risk on. It's especially when golf is such a a fluky sport. Um, you know, obviously Phil did not have the week he was looking for at the uh, live grand opening, but uh, if anything, you know, would be looking for a bit of a bounce back there. Uh, and I feel like Damon's game is kind of like. I mean, he averages 290, so he's definitely not one of the longer guys out there. He's a pretty, you know, short hitter for the most part. And the other thing, too, is I feel like he hits, he has a pretty flat ball flight. So I don't think that sets up great for this um, golf course. Um, also, also a shocking putter on Bent and Poe Greens. Well, and really, his putting has just been shocking all year. It's, I saw that, a clip, yeah. I saw a clip um, on the 10th hole on Twitter. Uh, Twitter warrior. Um, but on the 10th hole and he like asked the spectator, like, where does this hole go? So uh, versus Phil, who's played a Ryder cup here. So, you know, in terms of uh, that, whatever you want to call it, um, 
preparation or whatever. I don't know. I just, Doc, I think if the weather gets a little wild, Phil could win this thing matchup shooting seven over, ten over. Yes. You know what I mean? so, yes. That, that's um, kind of my perspective on it as well. For sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, Phil's not afraid to, um, you know, even if he shoots – 77 on a saturday you know gets gets the thumbs ups going and uh (laughs) he'll be right back in there so absolutely led winning score this week um i'm gonna go with five under i I think um i'm hoping this course shows its teeth and and the wind gets up a little bit and uh we don't get any you know 63s or 62s at a u.s open um unless it's kind of like deserving like uh, johnny miller jt 63 at oakmont uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with five under here this week. I'm going to go with six under and <laughs> bastard. I hope, I hope you win. Honestly, I hope you win. Uh, and taking that more of the fact that I don't trust the USGA to set up the golf course in a, in a, you know, too tricky of a way. Right. If you think about it, well, no, USGA has no effect actually on the PGA tour in terms of USA guys are like if they if the course got so hard and players are complaining, oh, I'm jumping to live tour. That's not really a storyline that's brewing. But um, yeah, I think for the most part, uh, we've had it in years past, whether it be Chambers Bay or Shinnecock, where the course kind of gets borderline, not unplayable, but you know, I remember a couple of years ago at Shinnecock, Kokrak had like a 15 footer for birdie, and then his then he was chipping for his next shot. Right. So um, I think the USGA is always, uh, you know, airs on the safe side of letting the golf course get away from him. So yeah, nowadays these guys are so good. Like you said, if someone throws up a 64 or a 63, they're, they're probably going to be getting to that, um, you know, six under yeah. five under five under number, no problem. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I hope, God, I would love one over to win. I love over par winning scores um, just because normally that means everybody's pretty bunched together. You know, if, if it's, if it's a Saturday and uh, maybe the leaders at two under there could be potentially 25, 30 guys within four or five shots of that lead. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, Definitely don't, we don't need any Rory runaways this week uh, from a rating standpoint, but uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Okay, led on to uh, our best bets, and I'll start it off here real quick, finishing it up. Um, I'm doing, I'm, I'm taking John Rom, uh, top five plus three hundred on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, this is my second best bet. I gave out my main one, Davis Riley over Taylor Gooch at plus one hundred five, um, over on the Big Dream pre- preview with, um, with AJ and Steve. But, um, you know. I like Rom, you know, one of the favorites this week at top five plus 300. Um, to me, this is a guy who's really shown over the pl- over the last three, you know, uh, three, four events that he's really turned his putting around. Um, the short game is there. He showed that a memorial. And I, I feel like those were my two big question marks about him kind of over the past three months and why I haven't played him that much. I feel like it's back. We could see kind of a peak Rom. Uh, this week and and uh, what hopes to be a his second consecutive U.S. Open. Um, so my best bet for this week is going to be John Rom top five plus three hundred on DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, the pregame.com form is a great place to share your picks, opinions, and questions with other sports bettors. Have a question about this week's U.S. Open? Simply log into your pregame.com account, click on the form, type in your question, and boom, you just started the conversation. The pregame.com form is in real time and is open 24-7. Want to share stats, odds, or who do you think is the greatest of all time? The pregame.com forums is the place to do it. The forums are filled with passionate sports fans just like yourself. So if you haven't signed up for pregame.com yet and haven't experienced our forums, simply put, you are missing out. Be a part of our community and be part of pregame. For my best bet, I'm going to be taking Hideki Matsuyama top 20 plus 150 on DraftKings. He's also 41 to 1 on FanDuel. You know, Hideki is coming off a Dairy Queen or a DQ at Memorial uh, because, like you talked about, he went full arts and crafts on his driver with the whiteout. Um, As long as he doesn't get DQ'd, I love Hideki this week. Um, Before an off at the PGA, he finished third at the AT&T. And 14th at the 14th at the Masters. So, you know, you look at this guy's 
track record. They not even track record. Here's his last couple weeks here. Uh, like I said, third at AT T, 14th at the Masters. Um, I know he wasn't playing amazing through the couple holes that he played and when he got DQ'd at Memorial, but if we can get a guy who has two wins on the year at the Zozo and the Sony um, and has won one out of the last six majors with that master's win, you know, what was that 14 months ago? And he's in the forties. You absolutely have to bet on that. Uh, yes. The putting is awful, but Hideki has shown time and time again, he can come out of those putting sl- slumps and, and putt lights out. He did it at Sony where he gained, I believe almost like 15, it was something ridiculous, like yeah. 12 strokes on the greens yeah. at Sony. And he was like outside the top hundred and putting when he did that. So the greens are doc, like you talked about a hybrid POA situation. POA is actually Hideki's favorite survey surface. Um, and the only surface he gains strokes on. So we like that coming in here. Um, for the best bet is hammering him at a top 20 at plus 150, but definitely sprinkle that 41 to one number. I think that's uh, an amazing number for a guy like Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah, just speaking on the Sony and and, and kind of how he's turned around his putting. I mean, that was uh, the first time in his career where he won and picked up strokes on the green. So, and I feel like he's continued that. It's just, I'm not sure if his number dropped because of the DQ last week or what, but I love that play uh, this week led. That'll do it for the golf preview podcast here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter if you have any questions uh, regarding your plays this week or any week as far as golf is concerned. You can follow me at uh, drmedia59 on Twitter. And you can follow James at James Ledbetter on Twitter. James, great job today and best of luck everyone with their picks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the week. I want uh, carnage. I want bogeys. I want doubles. I want triples. Uh, Hopefully, for not guys, we bet on. (laughs) Absolutely. We'll see you next week, Led. See you.